Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. Again, want to start by thanking everyone that has liked and subscribed to the Unbothered podcast. If you haven't yet, please make sure to do so wherever you watch your podcasts or listen to them. So today, we're going to be talking about Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes. More comments that were made last night. If the interview's reaction to that, then Eric Bieniemy not getting retained uh, from Washington. Again, my reaction, Eagles opening the season in Brazil. And then last week, you know, we finished the head coach cycle. This time around, it looks like there's eight available jobs. All eight have been filled. I rank those eight head coaching hires. And then Joel Embiid is out for at least four weeks. I give my thoughts on that. So let's get started with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So yesterday was the, uh, you know, first Super Bowl kind of media session uh, last night. And, you know, pretty good. You know, Kyle Shanahan, a little tipsy, you know, great questions that were asked. You know, uh, Travis Kelsey was booed. Um, you know, somebody asked, you know, Brock Purdy to do a SpongeBob impression and another person asked, uh, Patrick Mahomes to do a, um, Kermit the Frog impression. So pretty funny all around. Uh, but one of the questions, you know, was about him, you know, reaching, you know, goat status, if you will. And Patrick Mahomes had this to say he addressed his legacy. Head of his Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, I'll just quote the whole thing here. Uh, I don't think I could have ever foreseen what was going to happen at the start of my career. You want to get to the Super Bowl, that's your ultimate goal, and to be able to be in my fourth one, it truly is surreal, and I just try to appreciate it every single time. You don't even know if this will be your last, and I've been blessed to be in a lot with a great organization, with a lot of great players around me. So I just try to maximize those opportunities. I'm not even close to halfway, so I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Your goal is to be the best player that you can be, and I know I'm blessed to be around a lot of great players. So right now, it's do whatever I can to beat a great 49ers team and try to get that third ring. Then if you ask me that question in 15 years, I'll see if I can get close to seven, but seven seems like a long ways away still, and I will end the quote there. So, avoided you know anything else after that. Uh, I thought what Mahomes said, you know, was right on the spot. You know, I talked about this heavily last week. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to, I believe it was last Thursday. I believe on my podcast Wednesday, Thursday. I broke, or maybe Friday. Uh, I broke down the you know really. The Patrick Mahomes versus uh, Tom Brady conversation. Uh, but I'm happy to see that, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes acknowledges he's not the GOAT. Uh, he's not even halfway there yet. He hasn't won the seven Super Bowls. His career still a long way to go. So, yes. We'll see. You know, completely agree with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so, of course, you know this question that was asked in the Super Bowl. A lot of... More discussion about the Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes thing. And you always see some bad takes 
every now and then. If you you know listen to sports media, uh, wherever you listen uh, to, whether it's a podcast or TV show, you always hear some weird, crazy things. Uh, you know, I think back to the one, you know, that it might, to me, might be one of the most iconic, you know, a Tom Brady is going to fall off a cliff, uh, hot take. And of course he won like three Super Bowls after that take. So, you know, you have some crazy ones. One of the crazier ones I'm hearing, cause you can, you know, some people make logical discussions, but the one that doesn't seem logical, uh, that I'm hearing is the comparison of Tom Brady and his titles uh, to Bill Russell and his titles. Uh, to me, that to me is the most, you know, I just want to say idiotic argument that there could be. Uh I, I mean, I can't think of anything more idiotic than Tom Brady's basically Bill Russell. Because what does that imply? Well, for that basketball analogy, NBA, Bill Russell has the most rings in the NBA with 11, but doesn't have any uh, offensive stats. Wasn't a great offensive player, but was arguably one of the greatest defensive players of all time. So he dominated his decade, won 11 rings. But the NBA was much different than it is when they crowned Michael Jordan the GOAT. And we have this LeBron discussion. Why is that the case? Uh, Well, in the NBA, there wasn't the amount of teams as there was uh, in the 90s. It wasn't. And then in the playoffs as well, you had three rounds. You had six teams in a bracket. Uh, So... When you look at those days when Boston won those titles, it's like, yeah, the semifinals, best of five. You have the division finals, uh, best of five, and the NBA finals. I mean, division finals, best of seven, and the NBA finals, a best of seven. So you had a best of five and two best of sevens, and that was it. You didn't even have the wild card round yet. So to me, that argument doesn't make any sense to me because... The era was totally different. It was before the three-point shot was even invented. So when I hear things like that, it was the league was so much different. The players were not as skilled. Everything was so much different than it was when Michael Jordan uh, played, who I think uh, is the GOAT of the NBA. So to me, that is just silly. Uh, because it's not like Bill Russell had those records uh, at the time. At the time, Wilt Chamberlain had scoring records and a lot of records, and then Kareem came in. Uh, so Bill Russell didn't really stand uh, stuffed in... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Stand the test of time. All right. So you have that. Uh, and then, you know, I haven't watched any highlights of Bill Russell. Uh, just a few... Uh, but his offensive game uh, wasn't there. You can't look at him and say mid-range great, three-point great. Uh, handled. You just can't evaluate him that way. So the comparison of that I don't like because skill-wise, you don't say you know Bill Russell is the greatest at this one individual thing. Whereas with Tom Brady, again, I broke this down uh, last week, and I said Tom Brady is greater 
than Patrick Mahomes and a lot of things he did on the football in his crazy one year. Makes you forget about a lot, doesn't it? Uh, when you talk about accuracy, Tom Brady was more accurate throwing the football than Patrick Mahomes. When you think about touch and ball placement, Tom Brady was better. When you think about actual mecha- uh, quarterback mechanics, better. Field vision, better. Decision making, better. Compete level, leadership, toughness, better. Pocket presence, better. Better. All those better than Patrick Mahomes. The only ones that I said Patrick Mahomes had a clear definitive advantage are were arm strength. And again, he's not even best of that. Rushing ability, not even the best of that. And then second reaction ability. Uh, those off play kind of things. Pocket breakdown, you got to make that second play. Uh, I did give him the best ever at that. So one thing, and Tom Brady's got a bunch of them. Um, and then I think the person that you know, I was listening to went on to say that Tom Brady will get irrelevant fast when Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT. So uh, a bunch of wild, crazy takes uh, from people. Again, I'm glad Patrick Mahomes said that, but if, you know, we talk about this too in the biggest games, you know, to me, one of the biggest, the biggest performance for an NFL player is on the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady had... To me, two really memorable Super Bowls that were like, dang. Uh, one of them was against Seattle when he got his fourth, uh, the, you know, I believe double digit comeback, uh, 125 passing yards in the fourth quarter alone. And then the other one was against the Falcons. Yes, he was bad in the first half, but in the second half, unstoppable. And it was just, wow, this, is undefeated. I don't think I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes come back from a 28-3 deficit at any point in his career. If there is, I'll apologize. I'll make sure to look that up. But yeah. And then since then, every other Super Bowl for Tom's been great where Patrick Mahomes has literally had a bad Super Bowl. Tom Brady's biggest loss in the Super Bowl, eight points to the Eagles. So a one-possession game. Uh, and then on the flip side, Patrick Mahomes' biggest loss is 22 points, 31-9 to, of course, Tom Brady and the Bucks. So again, uh, this debate, this GOAT debate, is really just silly. And the fact that people are even entertaining it uh, just shows me how little they know about the game of football. If anyone were to tell me right now that Patrick Holmes is the greatest football player ever, they've clearly have not watched football. They haven't. Uh, they're just, you know, into the now. And I, you know, not a big fan of Draymond Green, but I do appreciate one thing. That Draymond Green said on his podcast, you know, when people are talking about, you know, aging LeBron out of league, it's like, hey, recognize how great he is now uh, because there might not be another one after him. And it's like Tom Brady, they all said, oh, Patrick Mahomes would be after him. He's a different type of player. And Tom Brady is still the guy. He's still the GOAT. Again, and anybody who thinks Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT or remotely close, it's laughable. What if Purdy wins this weekend? Does that affect his GOAT status to those people out there? We'll see, but I am rooting for Purdy to make that case even harder to make. So, moving on. Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy. Offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. Uh, was not retained by the commanders. Uh Offensive coordinator there, uh, of course, most known prominently for being the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs for various Super Bowl runs. 
and winning the Super Bowl last year. So this offseason, he took the job to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else, call the plays, run the offense. Uh, and of course, his quarterback was Sam Howell. So that made it difficult, even though Sam Howell minus the uh, turnovers put up some pretty big yards. So new coaching staff comes in. You know, Dan Quinn's the head coach. And, you know, he gets to choose a staff. He gets to bring his guys in, which, again, that's what happens. Uh, at places like that, if you work at a real company, that's what happens. I work at a company that merged with another company, and not everybody had a spot. Some people, unfortunately, were let go. But that is the business of what happens when new people come in. It's a business. We're not on, you know, Reddit, TikTok, crying like these people are. And again, it is sad because I think Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator. I do think he'll find a new job uh, because he is a good offensive coordinator, great mind, uh, hard, accountable, uh, good leader. Again, I was one who wanted Eric Bieniemy is the head coach for the Detroit Lions a few years ago. You know, when they put in Dan Campbell, I thought, "What the heck is this?" I wanted Eric Bieniemy. Of course, I'm totally happy with Dan Campbell now. Love a man, but you know. That's just the nature of the game, of the business. And again, I think Eric Bieniemy is fantastic. Uh, but the one thing I don't like is this misconstrued uh, type of thing where it paints the commanders as a bad guy. And what I mean uh, by that is ESPN has this very misleading article. So if you watched the uh, Dan Quinn press conference. Uh, you know, Quinn said, you know, he has got a lot of respect for Eric Bieniemy. We won't work together here, uh, but, you know, I wish him nothing but the best things like that. But ESP had misconstrued it. And the article headline is, Commanders fire Bieniemy, Coach Quinn says, which Dan Quinn never said the words, I fired Eric the enemy. The man never said that. So ESPN had that, uh, you know, clickbait article on there. And then they had the 30-second video you can watch that, you know, confirms Dan Quinn never said that. But then the, you know, little subtext of the video is Dan Quinn announces firing of Eric B. Enemy. Again, nobody was fired. Nobody was fired. He wasn't retained. He was let go. And that's what we see with other people when we see Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, those kind of coaches. They were not retained. They were let go. It's worded like that. It's never Seahawks fire Pete Carroll. Patriots fire Bill Belichick. It's never put like that. But for this one, it's commanders fire Eric Bieniemy. Dan Coyne announces the firing of Eric Bieniemy. Don't like that ESPN do a little better. Uh, don't try to bait people here because um, it's not the facts. It's not real. Um, uh, just an absolute joke article there by uh, John Kime. I'll call him out, ESPN staff writer. So call that chump out. Um, so, and again, Eric Bannemi going to find a job. He's going to do well. Do think he's a good offensive coordinator. Uh, but there, to me, is a larger reason why he wasn't retained. And that's because not only is it Dan Quinn's staff, but who did they hire to replace Eric Bieniemy? Cliff Kingsbury. 
He's not a good head coach. It's proven he's not a good head coach. I do think he is a good offensive mind, good offensive coordinator, uh, can call plays. But the biggest thing here, it's the help with a potential Caleb Williams move. Now, Caleb Williams is from the area, but Cliff Kingsbury was an offensive analyst QB coach with Caleb Williams at USC, and Caleb Williams really likes Cliff Kingsbury. So what have we seen in recent years? We have seen uh, coaches like Nathaniel Hackett go to the Jets to help them get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You've seen uh, teams and players like that try to position themselves to make it you know, more advantageous for you to come to our team. So it helps with that Caleb Williams move uh, because, hey, commanders are there at two. They just have to move up one spot. So the haul to me is not as big as it has to be. Why? Because if I'm the Bears, it's I can trade down, get an extra first-round pick, still have the second-round pick, draft a quarterback in Drake May or Jaden Daniels, trade Justin Fields and get more draft capital. So to me, it's a win-win if they stay and get Caleb Williams. The Bears good for them. But I think if I'm the commanders, I'm trying to move up to get Caleb Williams and make that move. And Cliff Kingsbury gives him a better shot than Eric Bieniemy did. That's the business and the truth of the matter. Next up. Eagles are going to open the season in Brazil. Wasn't expecting a scheduled news drop yesterday, was it? When Roger Goodell was also there at those NFL press conferences. So, you know, I saw the headline, you know, Eagles to play NFL's first game in Brazil. I knew the game was going to Brazil, you just didn't know the team or anything like that. So this is going to be an Eagles designated home game. And to me, the reason why this is such a big deal, a uh, big game for the NFL, is because it's being played on a Friday night of opening week, September 6th. So we have... Of course, Thursday night football, uh, which will be September 5th, opening night, first game of the year on NBC. You know, that'll be the Super Bowl champion at home, raising the banner, uh, defending against another team. But then the following night, we'll have the Eagles playing a primetime game in Brazil. Uh, That, to me, is just great for the NFL. Uh, For the brand, of course, it's being more global, growing the game. But this is also big because... They haven't had an opening night Friday game in like 50 years. So to me, this is really big. And just a big weekend because it's, uh, you know, Thursday night football. It's now Friday night football. A uh, big game because they can play a team like the Cowboys or the Packers. It's big uh, nationally televised game. Saturday night, college football. Week two, you got, you know, Texas-Michigan is a marquee game. Then Sunday night, you got the opening Sunday night football game and the full slate, and then Monday night football. So NFL, this ain't bad marketing. I got I to gotta tip my hat off to them. I saw this, and I just thought, uh, sign me up for September. Get September here fast enough, because uh, after this Sunday, yes, there's still going to be a lot of off-season draft stuff to walk through, talk to, but uh, September's looking pretty good if I do say so myself. So, moving on now to the head coaching hires. So again, there was eight head coaching spots, eight were filled. I rank the head coaching hires. Number eight, last one on the list, 
Brian Callahan for the Tennessee Titans. This is one I don't get, uh, Tennessee Titans. I ranked this last because it's hard to fill the shoes of Mike Vrabel. The only way the this new head coach, Brian Callahan, is, can surpass Mike Vrabel is if he wins the Super Bowl. Because Mike Vrabel was a great coach to me, one of the best coaches in the NFL. Built a tough culture. It never had a true star quarterback. Ryan Tannehill was the best quarterback and he had. And he managed to get Ryan Tannehill to the number one seed in the AFC one year. And then in a separate year, was able to get them to Kansas City in the in an AFC Championship game as a sixth seed and had the Chiefs on the rope for a bit before the Chiefs eventually won that game. So he was a great coach. Brian Callen, I think, is a good coordinator. Uh, worked with Joe Burrow in the offense there. But we'll see if that translates to the Titans where there's a deficiency on offense when it comes to O-line, receivers, quarterback play. Uh, so to me, didn't get this higher at all. Or just really the firing of Mike Vrabel. That's why I have him at 8. And there wasn't a clear upgrade. Number 7. This was also the spot for last. And that was uh, Gerard Mayo for the New England Patriots. So I get moving on from Bill Belichick. A couple just bad years. Seemed out of touch. Tone deaf on offense. So you go out and hire Gerard Mayo. But you hire a defensive coach. A defensive minded coach who was never a coordinator in the league, but was a well-liked, respected guy, very young, and a Patriots organization. Uh, similarly, uh, I get Bill Belichick had to go. I think that was the right move moving on from Bill. I don't know if this was the right candidate. I hope I'm proved wrong, but again, heard great leadership stuff. But the roster is bad. No quarterback. Uh, offensive deficiency, probably worse than the Titans are uh, at this spot right now. So I have Gerard Mayo there at 7. Number six, Dave Canales, head coach now for the Panthers, coming over from the Buccaneers. Uh, so Dave Canales has earned this reputation in two years as a quarterback whisperer, uh, worked with Geno Smith, and got him to the Pro Bowl, Seahawks made the playoffs. This past year worked with uh, Baker Mayfield and the Bucks and got Baker Mayfield to the Pro Bowl and into the playoffs. So what are the Panthers baking on? Doing well with Bryce Young and getting them to the playoffs. Easy division, but I just don't see it happening again. A lot of deficiencies here. And I'm not a fan of the two-hit wonder Dave Canales here. Uh, just because Bryce Young is different than the quarterbacks of Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. To me, those are very two similar quarterbacks. Uh, bigger guys, your traditional quarterback uh, types. Bryce Young is small. And to me, that's always been the knock on him, will be the knock on him. Uh, but again, it's not just, you know, the quarterback whisper. Dave Canales, when he coached uh, Baker, the team had good weapons. And Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White had weapons, Kay Dodden. In Seattle, they had Tyler Lockett. They had DK Metcalf. They had Kenneth Walker. They had dudes. The Panthers don't have dudes. So we'll see how good of a coach he really is without some of those other Pro Bowl, All-Pro players on his team. Number five, Raheem Morris. 
This to me was probably the most surprising one because I would have gone offensive coach uh, due to the offensive talent around the team, um, just being a quarterback away in the Falcons. Uh, but that this is a guy, great leadership. People really vouch for Raheem Morris. You look at the Falcons, not good defensively, not great defensively. Uh, can Raheem Morris, you know, energize his defense, get this defense going uh, to where they are better? I think he can get them in a spot. Again, the most important thing for him is hiring an offensive coordinator to work with this offense while he resets the defense. So I have him at five. Number four, I have Antonio Pierce. Uh, you know, some people don't like interim coaches being named head coaches, but I think in this case it was deserved because Antonio Pierce proved on his side of the ball, being a defensive side uh, guy, defensive-minded, he can, he can handle that. Uh, he showed that when he was hired. The Raiders vastly improved on defense week to week and finished out the latter half of the year as one of the better defensive teams in the league when he took over as head coach. So he established his defensive presence. A culture, uh, the biggest thing is the offense was lackluster, to say the least. So, you didn't have to work on that, getting an OC. They had Cliff Kingsbury. That didn't work out. That already scares me. But I'm excited about, you know, the halfway point for the defense. Uh, but don't view this as a major home run hit. Where they kind of were last year, 7-8 win mark. I, I kind of see them capping out there. Uh, same spot. Number three. Now we're getting into the three coaches I really like. Uh, number three was Mike McDonald to the Seahawks. Uh, you just, I mean, just flip the script here for the Seahawks. Going from the oldest coach in the league, uh, 72, to the youngest coach in the league at 36. And Mike McDonald, you bring a guy who has a great pedigree from Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, that tree. A defensive mind, a guy for a team that needs defense and struggled the past two years, or with a team that struggled the past two years with defense. Uh, Pete Carroll? Supposed to be a defensive-minded guy. Couldn't get the defense right the past couple of years, and Mike McDonald was able to at Michigan with the Ravens. I think he'll be able to do it. And he's got great pieces on the team offensively of JSN, uh, Kenneth Walker, DK. It's really about finding that quarterback. Uh, that, to me, is going to be his biggest tie to success there. Will be the quarterback if they draft one this year. I don't think you can stick with Geno. Number two, Dan Quinn. I absolutely love Dan Quinn is this hire. Uh, you heard Kyle Shanahan, if you listened to the NFL interviews last night, speak glowingly about Dan Quinn. Of course, Kyle Shanahan was the OC under Dan Quinn and said he learned a lot. And I do think Dan Quinn brings a great culture, football IQ, football understanding, and will be able to get this team going. Will be able to improve a defense. I really think so. Uh, and I think with Cliff Kingsbury, this could be a very good offensive pairing. And I think there's a shot that they win the NFC uh, East next year. Uh, I really do think this is just a great hire for the Commanders. But number one, of course, number one is Jim Harbaugh from Michigan to the Los Angeles Chargers. Best move, arguably, you know, greater than any of the other moves combined. Uh, this you know, is a big splash move because Jim Harbaugh is a winner. I talked about, you know, him multiple times on this uh, podcast because of how great he has been for Michigan, being a Michigan fan, turning the program around, turning the 49ers around, uh, turning San Diego around, Stanford. Uh, is Stanford's really not a got back to where they were 
with Jim Harbaugh for the Niners. It took him a couple of years. Um, hopefully Michigan doesn't uh, fall into that same trap. But Jim Harbaugh, you know, is great. Is going to establish toughness, a run game, uh, get Justin Herbert going. Um, I think this is going to be a great pair. Again, I don't think they'll win the AFC West next year because of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But it would not surprise me if this team really builds on the beginning of the year, uh, finishes strong, which is what Jim Harbaugh teams do, and make noise in playoffs. Another thing Jim Harbaugh does and go to that AFC Championship game next year. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is an established, again, culture, run game, defense, energy, enthusiasm, unknown to mankind. So really like that hire. So there you have it. Those were my head coaching hires ranked. Another thing I want to touch on is the Madden NFL 24 sim. So I do like to see all these things, you know, people do to kind of predict the Super Bowl. So Madden sim is a is one we kind of do every year. So they had the Chiefs winning 30-28 to 28 to the Niners. Uh... Madden Simbo has been wrong the past three years. Uh, last year, they picked the Eagles to beat the Chiefs. Obviously, that didn't happen. year before that, they picked the Bengals to beat the Rams. Of course, that didn't happen. And the year before, they had Kansas City beating Tampa Bay. And, of course, Tampa Bay won. So the last one they got right was when the Chiefs beat the Niners. So you have that lining up for the Chiefs. You have the rematch uh, factor also working for the Chiefs as well. In Super Bowl rematches, the team that lost has never won. So history is really on the Chiefs' side. Uh, but, you know, the Madden Super Bowl thing has really been uh, inconsistent. Again, they had the Patriots beat Philly. Uh, didn't happen, you know. So we'll just see. Uh, to me, it doesn't mean a lot. But it is interesting to see even Madden, along with a lot of analysts, picking the Niners. Of course, I'm going to save my pick for Friday. Uh, but we'll see. As I continue to gather knowledge and uh, other things in the world of analysis to bring to you. Then lastly, Joel Embiid uh, had a procedure on his knee today, uh, so he is out at least minimum four weeks. So being out four weeks, that puts him out all of February, probably comes back you know, early, mid-March, uh, and without Embiid, this is not a playoff team, is not a good team. And if I'm the 76ers, I'm shutting them down. I'm not letting them uh, come back, you know, you know, small meniscus tear. That to me is just a thing you need to, uh, you know, just really go out till next year. And this team is not winning anything, it's not winning a uh, title this year. As much as the fans and other people will try to tell you, Embiid needs to get healthy. They need a healthy Embiid to win the title. And if he's not healthy this year, they're not winning. So, again, I like watching Joel. I think he's a great center. But it's better for them uh, to kind of go out this year as an impasse. To me, it makes sense because of how good Boston is. And Boston still has to pay some of their players. So it's like, hey, we get Embiid healthy for next year. You know, and this is probably a player you have to load manage. I know the NBA is trying to eliminate that from a game, but you just have to be realistic with Joel right now. You have to load manage. You think about Kawhi, load manage for so many years. This year he's not doing it, and he's been healthy. He's been playing great because he load managed for all those years. You might have to do the same thing with Joel this year, or I mean next year of a following year, load manage him. Will it cost him an MVP? 
It might, but it increases your chances of winning the Larry O'Brien NBA Finals. So, you have that. Those are my thoughts. Uh, This has been Unbothered. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye, everybody.